We'll be in Exodus 33 in a, in a minute or two. We'll be praying here on Tuesday night as per usual. If you're free on Tuesday night, 7.45. I'm just, I've got to that stage where I have no idea what day it is. I know it's Christmas Day, but I have no idea what, what day of the week. And I have to keep on checking myself. Is it Sunday? Is it Saturday? What is it? Anyway, um, here's a phrase that you tend to hear a lot in the run-up to Christmas. Uh, I want or I'm getting. Um, I did have a look. I'm not going to waste time showing you, but some of the top 10 toys on Amazon were remarkably interesting things, including a thing called a turtle, uh, a turtle that you set on the toilet. Um, I don't, but apparently it's, uh, it's popular with the wee ones. Linda usually asks me around about late November, early December every year. She'll sort of lean over during our evening coffee and say, is there anything you'd like me to get you for Christmas? And my answer is nearly always, no, <laughs> because I don't really want anything uh, that much. I'm quite happy with, with what I have. I'm, I'm hard to buy for. But a few weeks ago, while sitting one, one morning in the chair early, just my time with Jesus early in the morning, I just felt a desire stir up in me for something. I felt God sort of starting to awaken uh, something that I wanted. And what I wanted was glory. We've been looking through Advent at hope and peace and love and joy. And this morning, I want to just get our thoughts on this idea of glory for a few minutes. And then we're going to sing a few carols and go home and and feast and celebrate Jesus. Moses is a guy that would be hard to buy for at Christmas. Moses had everything. Moses even had a stick that turned into a snake. All right. So anybody that has stuff like that is going to be pretty hard to buy them something that is better. But Moses knew that he wanted something. And he had this occasion in Exodus 33 where he was in the presence of God on the mountain. And he said, show me your glory. Moses realized that within a human being there is a need to see glory. And he just blurted it out. He didn't ask for additional provisions, more manna, more quail. He didn't ask God to get rid of all of the awkward people that that were coming out of uh, Egypt with him and were murmuring and complaining. He said in that moment where he had an audience with God and he knew he was in the presence of God, what he said was, show me your glory. I need to see glory. Moses knew that that's what it was. And what is this word glory? It's one of those Bible words that's real hard to put your finger on and, and put it in a nice snippy little sentence. So I haven't tried to do that. Glory can be translated in various different ways. In, in Luke chapter 2, one of our readings from the carol service, we, we read about the glory of God that shone around the angels and the shepherds. And that picture of glory has to do with light. And glory then, further on in the same passage, glory to God in the highest. And it's to do with praise and giving God the honor that he is due and that only he is worthy of. And that's what glory can mean in that context. In the Old Testament, the word for glory is kavod. And it literally means weight. Something that is heavy. As in God's presence among his people being weighty and heavy and notable. This glorious, heavy, weighty presence of God. It's hard to describe. 
So the word has got all of those connotations, light and praise and weight, the beauty of God, the presence of God among his people. And Moses knows that he needs to see it. And he asks God to see it. And what he then gets shown is something slightly different. He doesn't see any light. And he doesn't, I'm sure he's feeling the weight of God's presence at that moment. He doesn't hear any praise being sung. But what he gets to see is God's character. Moses says, I need to see your glory. And God says, okay, you're going to see my goodness pass in front of you. My name, I'm going to proclaim my name. That is his character and who he is. I am merciful. I will have mercy. I will have compassion. So in response to this outburst from Moses, what God shows him is his character. The glory of God is also to do with the character of God, who he is. And Moses and I and you, we need to see that. We were designed with this capacity for gazing upon the glory and the character of God. And we tend to lower our eyes and gaze on other things that distract us and provide us with a little tiny bit of glory, but not the real thing. And notice two of the things that are mentioned that Moses sees whenever God passes by him. The Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious. So Moses sees the grace of God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. And another word that you can put in there for faithfulness in your Hebrew Bible in the Old Testament is truth. Full of grace, this gracious gracious God, and full of faithfulness or truth. But Moses only gets to see God's back. Oh, you know, he wants to see his face. And all God says, you cannot see my face. You can't handle it, Moses. I'll pass by you and you will see my back. So Moses tells us that we need to see glory. But then Isaiah comes along about 700 years later. In Isaiah chapter 40, which starts the second book of Isaiah, Isaiah is actually in two clear books, 1 to 39 and then 40 to 66. And the second book starts with this famous verse, comfort, comfort my people. The whole tone of the message is changing. There's a message of comfort that God is sending to his people through Isaiah. And and Isaiah says there's a preparation to be done. These are words that are picked up by John the Baptist in in Luke chapter 3. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. The idea, something's coming and you need to start getting ready for it. Now this is 700 years before Jesus. And Isaiah is proclaiming to the people, you need to start to prepare. And in verse 5, he tells them what they're to prepare for. The glory of the Lord will be revealed. That word glory again. Isaiah says, what Moses wanted to see, but he only got a little glimpse of, Isaiah says it's going to be revealed fully, completely. All people will see it. Not just an old Hebrew prophet on the side of a mountain watching God pass by and getting a glimpse of his back. Isaiah says everyone is going to see the glory of God. And you better start getting ready. And God says to him, cry out. And Isaiah has that famous preacher on a Saturday night moment, what shall I cry? <laughs> you know? I know I have to preach God, but I have no idea what to preach. And, and, and Isaiah says, what is the message that I'm to bring? 
I have told people to prepare themselves. I have told them that glory is going to be revealed. What is the message that I have to proclaim? And the message comes in verse 9 of Isaiah 40. Bring, you who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice. Lift it up, don't be afraid. And say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. Or in the King James, behold your God. And the word behold means look at. Isaiah says glory is going to be revealed and you're going to be able to look at God. Moses couldn't. But Isaiah says a time is coming when you can look at him. And the good news that Isaiah preaches and the good news of Advent is that God is coming. Prepare for the coming of the Lord. And the invitation, the amazing invitation is look at him. What I feel God stirring in me a few weeks ago, just, just to back to some real simple practices of just stilling the heart to look upon God. To gaze upon his beauty and his character, not just to come before him with needs and wants, but to just gaze upon who he is. We always put a DVD on on Christmas morning. It's, it's getting old now, but we're still doing it. It's a third day concert. It's third day playing. If you've never heard of third day, that's okay. Um, but they're a Christian band and, and they released this incredible Christmas album about probably 15 years ago now and they did a live concert of it and we put it on every Christmas morning in the background and I had been outside doing something outside and it came in and the song that was on was Show Me Your Glory. Beautiful, beautiful song playing. The great invitation of the prophet is to come and behold and look at the glory of God. And then we move as we head towards a close. We've gone from Moses who needs to see glory. Isaiah who says it's coming you're going to get to see it. Get ready to John. And John starts off his gospel. He doesn't have the shepherds or the wise men. He Basically, Matthew, Mark, and Luke were all written before John. And those guys have covered that stuff. And John says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. This term Word refers to Jesus. The expression of God, how God communicates himself to the world. I'm communicating to you through words and lots of hand gestures, but it's mainly words. God communicates through word and the ultimate communication of God is Jesus. So that's one of the reasons he's referred to as the word. It also has Greek and Jewish stuff going on in the background that we don't have time for today. But the word was God. And then you get a little bit later in John 1. My favorite verse, I think the most profound statement that has ever been made, the most profound words that have ever been written down on paper, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That is mind-boggling. <laughs> this God, this great God that Moses could only glimpse the back of, that Isaiah told us to prepare for, John says he became flesh he got real dirty and got in among us he put on flesh and became one of us and walked among us and John doesn't say the word became flesh and defeated Satan although he did or the word became flesh and conquered evil although he did what John says the word became flesh and we have seen his glory 
Moses, we need to see it. Isaiah, it's coming. John, I've seen it. <laughs> I've seen it. That which Moses only got a glimpse of, John, the cheeky wee fisherman from Galilee says, I have seen his glory. And you see this theme running through the need for it, the revelation of it, and then finally John actually saying that he has seen it. And what has he seen? He has seen grace and he has seen truth. He has seen the character of God. Not bright lights, not songs in the heavens as glorious as they are. He has seen the character of God in Jesus Christ. And John goes on in his gospel to say that the glory of Jesus is revealed in when he changed water into wine at the wedding. And his glory is revealed whenever he raises Lazarus from the dead. And he says to Martha, I told you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God. You're going to see his character and a revelation of who he is. But the most ultimate display of the glory of God for John comes later on in the gospel. Jesus has this wee tagline that he uses frequently in John's gospel where he tells people, my hour has not yet come. Strange thing that he says in John 2 and he says it again in John 7 and other places. He says, my hour has not yet come. Jesus knew there was something coming that he was moving towards, but it had not yet come. And then something happens in John 12, which just swings everything. Some Greeks, we talked about these guys a couple of months ago. Some Greeks come to Jesus or come to Philip at the Passover and they said to him, we would like to see Jesus. Note that word, see. Moses wanted to see. Isaiah says there's something coming that you can behold and you can see. And John said, we've seen it. These Greeks come to Philip and say, we want to see Jesus. And whenever Philip and Andrew go and tell Jesus, Jesus reply the hour has come. And bang, if you're reading John's gospel and paying attention, you're like, something is going to shift here in a massive way. And the hour that has come, Jesus says, is the hour for him to be glorified. Now glorified, we would think he's going to take his throne. He's going to build his palace. He's going to crush his enemies. But what John actually tells us that glory is, is, is the cross. Jesus talks about his glory in, in, in chapter 13 of John. Chapter 17, he, re, he, he prays that his disciples would see his glory. But I want you to see in, in, in chapter 12, just 21 and 23, the, 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 the request is we want to see Jesus. And Jesus' response is the hours come. I'm going to be glorified. You're going to see me. You're going to see a revelation of the character of God. More full than anything that anyone has ever seen before. You're going to see glory. And whenever John the Baptist early in Luke's gospel is quoting from Isaiah. We had Isaiah 40 verse 5 earlier. And we, we read in Isaiah 40 verse 5 that the glory of the Lord was going to be revealed and all people would see it. And John the Baptist is quoting that in, in Luke 3 and he says to the crowd, all the people will see God's and you're expecting glory, but he doesn't say glory. He says salvation. 
Because John the Baptist understands that the salvation that we see in Jesus is the ultimate revelation of the glory and the character of God. And he does a wee sneaky switch of the words because glory, if you've seen salvation, you've seen glory. And if you want to see glory, look to the cross and see salvation. And Jesus in in John's gospel, I'm sure the gospel writers thought very, very carefully about every word they wrote. And John As he writes the first words of Jesus in his gospel, I'm sure he thought carefully about what he would put down. What he would record. Not just any old random statement, but something that's then going to run as a theme. Something that'll be a thread throughout the gospel. And in John chapter 1, it looks like a very random little exchange between Jesus and a couple of of guys who who have come to him and asked him where he stays. And he says to them, come and see. And that's more than just an invitation. Come and see my house. Come and see the place where I'm living. This is what I want to leave with you on Christmas Day, 2021. This is what I feel God stirring in me these last few weeks. Jesus just saying, come and see. Just come and look at my glory. Just still yourself in this frantic, busy life. And just come and see me. Let me show you once again the glory of my salvation and my character. That's what I feel I'm stirring in me. Moses, show me your glory. You need to see it. Isaiah, the glory is going to be revealed. John, we have seen it. And then Jesus, this beautiful invitation. Come and see. Come and see. So what does the devil do? The devil blinds the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Jesus yells at all humanity, come and see glory. Come and see what God is really like. But Satan is busy blinding people. And Paul writes there that he blinds unbelievers, but I think he works hard to blind us as well. I think he tries to pull the blinkers down over my eyes and I get bogged down in what's going on around me and in busyness and in all sorts of things and issues and and stuff that's going on and gradually the blinkers start to come down over the eyes. You know, those, 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 are they called blinkers, what they put on a horse so it can only really look in one particular direction? It's, It's like he just, he brings those down so all you can do is look down or look sideways. You can't look up. That's what he does. That's the last thing he wants you to see is glory. His first priority, stop you from seeing glory. Because he knows that once we've seen glory, nothing else will satisfy us. So he tries to blind us. He tries to keep our eyes away from seeing the glory of Jesus. And so many people reject Jesus and they've never even seen him. They think they've rejected Jesus. They have not rejected Jesus. They're rejecting church. They're rejecting religion. They are rejecting hypocrisy and all sorts of nasty, unpleasant things that can go on if they could just see Jesus. The invitation is to come and see. And I'll leave that with you. Christmas morning is not just a perfunctory service of, oh, it's Christmas morning, we better go and sing a song and have a nice little message. I believe God is speaking through this. 
And I believe he wants to say to his people, it's very easy for me in particular to apply this to the world outside and say, people out there need to see Jesus. But I believe what God is saying to me and to us is, you need to see him. You need to come and see the glory and the character of God. Amen. Aaron, come and lead us, bud, please.